you got your Bible to the book of Ruth, enjoyed studying uh, Ruth this week, and uh, I pray it'll be a blessing to you as I've been uh, thinking about the book of Ruth, I've been thinking about you, the whole concept of you can't keep God in a box. And I've been asking myself as I, as I read through the book of Luke, I keep saying to myself, really God, this is part of your plan. This is not the way I would have done it, God. And so as I look through the book of Ruth, I just want to remind you of a couple things. First thing I want to remind you of is the setting. Ruth is being written around the same time as we just went through the book of Judges. And so the nation of Israel chose to serve foreign gods, small g gods. And God's going to allow them to pay the price. And it's in, in, in the despair of the nation of Israel, God's going to give to us the book of Ruth. God's going to show us what it looks like when even though there are things that are going on around you that are wrong. And it's interesting as I think about the book of Ruth, I think about the majority of the people were making unwise choices. They weren't following the God that we sang about this morning. They're saying, God, we don't need you. God, we think this will make us happy. And they serve the foreign gods. You find the book of Ruth. You find that a Gentile, a Moabite woman, comes to faith in the God that the Israelites should have been serving. And in the midst of all the things that where she could have went to the right or to the left, you have this little book tucked in your Bible. Four chapters. The book of Ruth. Ruth and Naomi. Devastation, discouragement, despair. And you have the God of Israel. Working in two unlikely people to teach us some amazing lessons this morning. As you look through the book of, uh, the book of Ruth, you'll find the lineage of David, which leads to Christ. You will find Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, that will represent Christ. And you'll get a chance to see that Boaz was a blood relative. But, Bo- but Boaz had to be willing to make a choice. Boaz could have said, you know what? I don't want to do this. This will cost me too much. Because there's going to be a cost. He's going to have to pay the price. And so he's going to have to make a decision and say, you know what? Is this individual worth paying the price? It's a choice that he'll have to make. And what a no better weekend to think about that leading up to next weekend. The most important weekend of any year ever celebrated. The resurrection of Christ. As you think about Christ and you think about the book of Ruth. You think about uh, Christ this week riding on a colt. Palm Sunday. Willingly getting on that colt, riding into that town. He wasn't listening to the praise of those people. He was thinking about you. Because it didn't matter what anybody else said. He was going to the cross. He was going to make a public declaration that you're worthy. That he wanted a relationship with you. No matter what the cost was. It was his choice. And he followed through. As I think about the book of Ruth, I think about the sovereignty of God. Okay, God, if this is your plan, God, if this is the way you want to do it, God, if this is how you want to work, God, I would trust you. So if you have your Bibles and you're open up to the book of Ruth, 
I'm going to watch you or let you see the opportunity that God is at work. I'm going to let you look at circumstances that you're going to say, you know what, this is crazy. This makes no sense. And you're going to walk away saying, wow, what an amazing God. As you look at the book of Ruth, you'll see four things. And obviously we're going to, we'll go through these fairly quickly. You're going to get a chance to see Ruth's resolve. You're going to get a chance to see Ruth's rights. You're going to get a chance to see Ruth's request and Ruth's reward. I shamelessly stole that from my study Bible, uh, Ryrie study Bible, because I'm not one of those guys that does alliteration very well. So uh, I got that outline straight out of my Bible. Uh, so I won't take any credit for that this morning. But what I want you to see and what I want you to hear is the Word of God. I want to take you to Ruth's resolve. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture as you read through the book of Ruth. And obviously I can't read all of it, but most of you have some ideas about this. You know that Ruth is a Moabite woman who's married to a Jew. You know that her mother-in-law is Naomi. And Naomi's husband made a choice to leave Israel because of the drought. To go to a foreign land. To live there. In that time that Ruth, or that Naomi and, and Emelech were there, they had two sons. And they were gained two daughter-in-laws. Ruth and Orpha. And in that time frame, Naomi's husband is going to die. And two of Naomi's sons are going to die. And Naomi's going to be left with her daughter-in-law. And what's fascinating to me about this is that Ruth watches her mother-in-law hold on to her faith in the midst of a crazy circumstance. In the midst of opportunities where she could have said, you know what, God? I don't want this anymore. God, it's not fair for me to lose my husband. God, it's not fair for you to take my two boys. God, I'm mad at you. And God, I'm going to go in a different direction. By the way, everybody else is doing it. All the nation of Israel is saying, hey, let's serve these foreign gods. Let's go over here. Let's dabble around in this. In the midst of that history of 350 years, you have two individuals that have extreme circumstances, extreme opportunity to say, you know what, God? I have a right to be mad at you. Because God, you didn't make me happy. God, you didn't treat me fair. God, it wasn't all about me. So you know what, God? I don't want you anymore. God, I don't need you anymore. And they could have walked away. But in the midst of that, Naomi shows something to Ruth. She leads this Ruth into a relationship with her God. I don't think that Ruth and Naomi got away from all the feelings and the emotion. But as they navigated their way through their feelings and their emotions, they did not allow their feelings and their emotions to dictate their relationship with their God. If you have your Bible, you'll see that. As you go to Ruth chapter 1, 
And you pick it up in verse 11. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I'm going to have, I'm not going to have any more sons who could become your husbands. So return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought I was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to two sons, would you wait until they grew up? Hey, ladies, go on with your life. I know there's duty to me. I know there's, there's things that you want to fulfill to me. But ladies, go on. But in the midst of that, you read Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. But Ruth replied, do not, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Now it's really easy just to read those words and think, oh well, that's really nice church answers. And those are really easy to read, just words. But hear the words. Hear the choice. And all the pain. And all the anguish. And all the difficulties. Even though I have the right to go on and enjoy myself and find a new husband. No, no. I choose not that. I choose your God. Where you go, I'll go. fascinating to me. But you open up a little book where it would have been really easy to say, you know what? That's it's not a big deal. Because not only were these words to say, this is my God. You've got to remember, put yourself back into that culture. To be a woman. To be a widow. And to go back to your land. Ruth is walking away from everything that she knew was true of a Moabite woman. Naomi, I'll go with you. But where's, where, where's Naomi going to go? She's going home to Bethlehem. She's going back as a widow. That was going to be an extremely difficult life. It would have been much easier for Ruth to say, you know what, Naomi, I really love you, but I know what it's going to be like. I'm going to be a foreigner walking into Bethlehem. Can you imagine the snickering that must have took place? Oh, here they come. Yeah, she left with her husband. Oh, we knew they had two sons. Now she's going to come back to Bethlehem all by herself, Naomi. And not just Naomi, Naomi with Ruth, who was a Moabite. A foreigner, an unwanted person in Bethlehem. We don't like people like you. We don't want you here. That didn't matter to Ruth. What mattered to Ruth was Naomi and Naomi's God. And so you get a chance to see her resolve in all the difficulties, in all the stress, in all the burdens, in all the anguish. I'm going with you. I've counted the cost. 
There's nothing else around here like your God. I'll follow you. A Gentile. A Moabite woman. Saying to a Jew. Saying to her mother-in-law. I got it. I've seen it in you. I'll follow you. And look what happens. Verse 19. So the two women went until they came to Bethlehem. Probably 50 to 70 mile journey. Two women. When they got to Bethlehem, when they arrived, the whole town was delighted and excited and welcomed them home. Oh, we're so glad to have you back. Welcome home. No, no, no. The town was stirred because of that. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Wow. You thought gossip was bad in Highlands County? With cell phones and Facebook and text messaging? Go back to Bethlehem. Walk back into town with a Moabite. And the whole town is stirred. The whole town watched you as you came back into town. Your husband had a name in that community. As you came back into town, you came back empty-handed. And a lot of like, I'm sure, probably not Bible Fellowship Church, but I'm a lot, probably sure, a lot like church people. They say something like this. Oh, they probably sin. Oh, that's God paying them back. Oh, yeah, God really wants to show them they were really foolish for going to live in that land. All along, their sin in their heart, in their own hearts, as they sat there and judged the woman who came back to town. The woman that came back and said, you know, God, I'm bringing a Moabite woman, and she loves you. No matter what these people say, no matter how much they laugh at me. Yeah, God, you sent me out full, but for some reason, God, you're bringing me back empty. Sure, as she walked into that town, she was brokenhearted, discouraged, dismayed. But she chose that, and she went back to that. And God provided a woman to go with her. Not just any woman. A woman with resolve. A woman that had been through extreme difficulties. A woman that was broken. A woman that was in despair. A woman that basically all that she could say, God, I'm yours. And I just wonder, as I think about the sovereignty of God, God... You allowed all that to happen because you wanted something in Ruth's heart. And he wanted Ruth to say, I'm yours, God. You know how easy it would have been for Ruth to go back with her husband and her father-in-law and a big family, going back for a family gathering, and they all ride in. You know how it is. When somebody shows up at a family gathering, what's the first thing you do? You look at where they're driving. Well, check it out. They must be making some money. Then you check out and make sure everybody acts right, you know? 
Well, that, their son's probably a little bit rebellious right now. I can see it in his eye. And then the gossip just goes all around the family gathering. Oh, yeah, we know you love each other. But that's not how it works, isn't it? Let's just be honest. It would have been much better to walk back into Bethlehem as a family that was loaded with her sons and, and her daughter-in-laws and grandchildren. Here we are. We've come back. now. that's not how it happened. And God's sovereignty brought two of them back all by themselves. But not just any women. Women with resolve. Women with their hearts saying, God, I'm yours. God, I belong to you. And what's interesting is, as you go through this passage of scriptures, you get a chance to see Ruth's rights. And most of us, we don't know really anything about this. As you read through chapter 2, you, you just, you're thinking that just makes logical sense. But Ruth had some rights because there was a family member. And in the Mosaic law, there was a command of the harvesters that they should not reap all the corners of their fields. That they were to leave some of the areas of their fields to the needy, especially to the widows and the orphans and the strangers. As I I go through this this chapter 2, you read in the beginning of chapter 2, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Emelech, a man's name who was Boaz. So they knew about Boaz. And so Ruth in her brokenness as a Moabite woman living with her mother-in-law knows that somebody's got to work. Somebody's going to have to venture out into the fields and be mocked. Somebody's got to venture out into the fields and risk being beaten. Somebody's going to have to do something for food. And what's so amazing to me is because of Ruth's resolve, because of her relationship with her God, she steps out into a field to go work, to glean, to reap, to find some food. And what's interesting is As she walks out into the field, I guess you get a chance to hear her heart. God, which field do you want me to go to? God, where do I start? Verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, But Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick leftover grain. Behind anyone who has eyes, I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Sure as Naomi sat there and said, go ahead, my daughter. She knew the risk that her daughter-in-law would take. She knew the mockery. She knew the possible physical harm it could cost her. But she also knew that if we don't have any food, we're going to die. So she went and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to a... Who did that field belong to? Boaz. As it turns out, at the sovereignty of our God, she arrives in Boaz's field. 
know what she does in Boaz's field? She works. And she works hard. And she works long. Guess what happens? Who shows up? Boaz. Coincidence, right? Happenstance. Uh, it's just a chance. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. He greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. They called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Who's that young, who's young woman is that? Who's that over there? Foreman replied, she's the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather along the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from this morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz wants to know who this is, and guess who else is watching The foreman's watching this girl. He knew when she took a break. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Do not glean in any other field. Do not go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. That's how I know it was dangerous. That's how I know the fear that she must have had as she walked down that road. As she entered into an opportunity to work. You know what's interesting? It would have been really easy for Ruth to get back to to Bethlehem. Say, do you know what, God? This is too hard for me. To say, God, this isn't fair. To say, God, this doesn't make sense. To say to God, God, I don't like this. This doesn't make me comfortable. But as you look at the life of of this Moabite woman in the field who's working, who's asking God to show her where to go. And God sent her not just to any field, but to the one field that would matter. To the one field that just happened to be who? Boaz. Just happened to be the kinsman redeemer. Just happened to be the man that could radically change her life forever. Boaz. Now some of you that are hopeless romantics, there's a love story here. It's fascinating. But what I find in this love story? Character. Ruth was a beautiful woman. How do I know that? Well, the harvester's watching her. Boaz walked in and recognized, hey, something's different about that lady. And he watched her. And he protected her. 
And as you'll see, that this young woman acted very spiritually mature. She didn't just run after any old cutie. She didn't run after, quote unquote, in in American terms or or the sugar daddy. Let me find the guy that's got the most money and I'm going to go after that guy. I'm going to wink at him or I'm going to bat my eye. I'm going to make sure that that guy notices me because I want the guy that will take care of me. She didn't do that. Where did she go? She went to work. Risked her life. Drop down to verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here. Have some bread. Dip it in the wine vinegar. You think any other, other women ate with Boaz that day? When they sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted, had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz ordered to his men, gave orders to his men. Even as she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some of the stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. Chapter 3. Ruth's request. Now I, I shake my head at this. From what I've, what I can gather over time frames, you know, Ruth and Boaz are probably know each other six to eight weeks. I'm guessing that. I won't take a bullet for that. But Naomi comes to Ruth and says, one day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, should I not try to find you a home for you where you will be well provided for? It's not Boaz with whose the servant girls you have been a kinsman of ours. Tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Now what you need to realize is the threshing floor was up high, Everybody was there, and they were going to guard their harvest. And at that night, Boaz was going to lay his head next to the harvest, and his feet would be out. Now, this, I just think, this advice makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I don't understand Jewish culture. Go lay at his feet. That's what I want you to do. Go wash yourself. Put your perfume on. You cover yourself. You sit off at a distance. You wait till Boaz lies down. And then you go lay at his feet. I wonder why, how in the world I ever had to go through the responsibility of asking Eugene Bankston to marry me. I think it should have been the other way around. Susan, you should have had to come see my dad. That's biblical. It's right here. It would have been a lot less stressful for me. We got it all messed up in our culture. So now you got this Moabite woman. And she's been given some advice by her mother-in-law. Hey, honey, this is how it works in Jewish culture. Ah! 
There ain't no way. I ain't going to go lay down at some guy's feet. They stink. It ain't happening. I don't care what the Jews think. It ain't happening. I'm a Moabite woman. It ain't working this way. You know, it's my right. You know, hey, I should be happy, by the way, shouldn't I? Well, I'm just going to start my own women's lib right here now. Let's get it going. This ain't happening. Let's be all about me. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And in her soul, she must have been saying, Really, God? This is how this culture does this? This is ridiculous. This makes no sense. But Ruth, chapter 3, verse 5. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth, Ruth approached him quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and having some unfamiliar woman at your feet? He wakes up. And this is his response. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant Ruth, he said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you have shown earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you what you have asked. I'll be the Redeemer. I'll be the one who pays the price. There was another one. And so in chapter 4, you will see Ruth's reward. So Boaz goes to the, to the gates and he makes, or he gives the other one, the other Redeemer, the opportunity. That other Redeemer didn't choose to. Was a blood relative, chose not to. Ruth? Naomi? And Boaz? Boaz paid the price to redeem Ruth. He was the redeemer. As I've been thinking about Ruth's life, I think about the reward, and it's a child. You see, it's not just any child. It's the child that the line of my Messiah goes through Ruth. The 
the humiliation of walking back into Bethlehem is gone instantaneously. Because God had a plan. And God wanted to reward the Moabite woman and Naomi. And God wanted them to be made famous throughout all of Israel. Look at chapter 4 and verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and he went, and she became his wife. They went, he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive. She gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout all of Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. And for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to give than seven sons has given you birth? And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and cared for him. And they named him Obed, the one who served Characteristic of his mom. The characteristic of our Savior. How does this work? Four words, right? Resolve. You know what I know is true? All of you face difficulty. All of your hearts are going to be broken. All of your hearts are going to be broken by some of it, your own sin, and some of it by God-ordained things to mold your heart. All of you have things that if you're not careful, have been sent to you by God. And it would be very easy for you to lose your resolve. And say, God, this isn't fair. Very easy for you to turn to the easy things in life. Say, you know what, God? I choose not to serve you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare before me in the presence of my enemies a table. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of stubborn children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, cancer, depression, stress, whatever the valley is, where's your resolve this morning? No matter how deep the valley is, where's your resolve this morning? Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. 
I know it's not fair. It wasn't fair for Ruth. It wasn't fair for Naomi. But they still chose to have their resolve in the Lord. Rights. I'm not talking about that you have rights as a Christian. I'm thinking about the field where Ruth met her kinsman redeemer. Great word picture of a Messiah. Great word picture of Christ. So I ask you, have you went to the field this morning to meet Christ? Well, I'm in church. No, it's not what I'm asking. Because there's a real temptation being involved in church. Well, yeah, I asked Jesus for forgive my sins. Yeah, 25 years ago. No, no, that's not what I'm asking you. Have you went to the meet, to the field to meet Christ this morning? Before you got here. Last night when you laid your head on the pillow. See, it's not just good enough to say once off. Yeah, I got you, Christ. Now go sit over there. Romans chapter 3, all of sin. Romans 5, God demonstrated them. Romans 6, there's a gift. Who is it? Jesus. Romans chapter 10, have you called on his name? Have you said, hey, I, I accept the gift? The request. Really, God? This is what you want me to do? Deuteronomy. Chapter 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Observe the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Shall not murder, shall not, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony about your neighbor, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife. Really, God? That's what you're asking? Yeah, I know you. He, what did God ask Ruth to do? Lay at some guy's feet? Romans chapter 12. Renew your mind, transform it by the Word of God. Really, God? This is, this is a lot more fun. This book over here I'm reading, it's fiction. It makes me feel good. I like it. It's a cool story. Renew your mind. That's his request. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Pour it out like a drink offering. You're willing to do it? It's his request. Why I'm saying all these things to you? Because there will be a reward one. You will have the opportunity to look at nail-scarred hands one day. I don't want you to get there and think, man, I missed it. I want you to get there thinking about the reward. I want you to get there as the individual has laid it all on the line. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The man who plants, 
The man who waters have one pur- purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Four words. Book of Ruth. And I want you to, if you don't mind, just kill the lights and leave the cross lit up for a second. And you can kill the stage too. Let's make it all just make it all dark, except the the cross. Four words. One cross. Your choice. You know what's amazing? We see Ruth and Naomi's choice. We see their resolve, their rights, their request, their reward. What about you? What will you do with it? Will you run to it this afternoon? Will you say to him, Jesus, you're all I need. In the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your anguish, in the middle of when you want to say, God, this isn't fair. God, I don't want to obey your word. Your choice. Father, I thank you for a little reprieve this morning. A little little time away from the world. A little time with truth. A little time to meet with you. Thank you. Father, thank you for empowering Ruth to leave all that came natural, all that she knew, all that would have been comfortable for her. She came to a little town called Bethlehem. Thank you, Jesus, for being born in a little town. Thank you, Jesus, for riding on that colt in what we call Palm Sunday, that you could be our kinsman redeemer. So if you're here this morning, is to hear redeemer? <coughs> Is he your Savior? Is he your Father? He can be, but you have to make a choice. You have to accept it. You have to receive it. You've got to believe. Then, yeah, Jesus, I believe in you. You've never done that. There's no better day than today. So, Father, you know the ones in this room that don't know you as Father.
So I ask that you would draw them to yourself. And Father, you know the ones in this room that are struggling with our resolve, with our rights, with our requests. Father, I ask that you would just put a burden on our soul for the reward. So no matter how hard it gets, no matter how uncomfortable surrendering to the Word of God becomes, that would be what we would long for. Jesus, I can't wait to see your nail pierced hands. I can't wait. I can't wait to say thank you. But while I'm here, help me to work hard for you. Father, thank you for our family. Mold us and shape us to be sons and daughters daughters that honor you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.